South Carolina's defensive line room has two contrasting groups. One that the team won't have to worry about as much, and another that leaves plenty of questions. You are Locked On Gamecocks, your daily podcast on the South Carolina Gamecocks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Gamecock Nation, and welcome back to the Lockdown Gamecocks podcast, your show for the latest headlines and potential storylines on South Carolina Gamecock athletics. I'm Andrew Lyon, the host of this podcast, and also the lead staff writer for Gamecocks Digest over on SI.com. Thank you for making Lockdown Gamecocks your first listen every day. We are free and available on YouTube and also wherever you get your audio podcasts daily. The South Carolina Gamecocks are just five days away from taking the practice fields and beginning the spring practice period for 2023. And we're now going to start talking about the defensive side of the football, starting off today by sort of addressing the edge position and the defensive tackle position up front on the offensive line. And when looking at the edge position to start, This is going to be the biggest headache for Shane Beamer and this staff this spring. Why is that? Well, the answer is pretty simple. They're not going to have a true sense of what the starters at these spots will look like by the end of spring practice because there's a bunch of different scenarios that they're dealing with at this position group right now. According to Shane Beamer's presser from this past Thursday, Jordan Stratton is going to be limited this spring, which is not too much of a surprise considering the fact that he is still recovering from his tour ACL injury that he suffered this past football season against the Arkansas Razorbacks. Desmond Omeo-Zulu is one of the highly touted true freshmen that the Gamecocks got in the 2023 recruiting class. He's going to be going through his first ever stretch of practices against SEC-level football players. And this likely means that he's going to have some sort of a learning curve. So you don't quite know what you're going to get at Desmond Omeo-Zulu, at least at the very beginning here. And then, of course, you got Montague Rames, who is dealing with his own legal issues right now after the weapons charge that he was handed down back on February the 3rd. There is no current update on that as of this moment in time. And um, it looks pretty likely he is not going to be able to go through spring practice at all. So leaving that for another day, outside of this group, the one player who right now could probably handle playing the majority of the snaps at either position is probably Terrell Dawkins, who himself also dealt with some injury issues this past fall. Needless to say, this position group is in a really bad bind due to a variety of circumstances. So what could Shane Beamer and this staff do to offset some of these issues? Well, there's two easy answers here. One is They could leave the position completely as is, quite literally not do anything in terms of moving guys around, or they could choose to maybe take someone from the interior defensive tackle spot or maybe the linebacker spot and move them over to defensive end. But based on what Coach Beamer said 
back on National Signing Day on February the 1st, it doesn't seem like that he and the staff plan to do anything of this sort, at least for spring practice. This was his quote from National Signing Day. In our minds right now, Tonka Hemingway is a defensive tackle, and Elijah Davis is a defensive tackle, and we want to continue to try to develop that edge position around them as well. I'm all about increasing the competition and the depth at every position. Certainly the edge position is still a concern, but I'm excited about the guys that we have in the program right now that are returning and think that it's time for all those guys to take another step and be the best they've been here in 2023. Now, when I go back and I read off that quote, I view this to be something that Shane really meant because admittedly right now they don't have to worry about moving guys over because they don't have any official games that are taking place in the matter of a month or so like it would be the case if they were actually starting fall camp instead of spring practice. But there are still a few possible moves here that could be made should Shane Beamer and his staff maybe change their minds on this front. And one of those would be moving Elijah Davis on over to maybe the weak side defensive end spot. Because here's the thing. Elijah Davis has not always been a 280-something pound interior defensive lineman. This kid has actually played some edge. And he even played some linebacker back when he was at Wagner Sally High School playing at around 250 pounds or so, according to his huddle profile. So Elijah Davis, at the minimum... It seems like he's got the athleticism to be able to handle being moved to maybe that weak side spot where, again, in that area, you got to worry more about your run game responsibilities more so than having to try and rush the passer. They could also choose to maybe move a linebacker down to the edge position. Maybe a guy like a Donovan Westmoreland or a Jerron Willis could be potential options because both of these guys played an outside edge rush position when they were in high school. And then the other thing they could do is they could slide Tonka Hemingway out to the defensive end spot. The one problem with that move, at least as of right now, is Tonka Hemingway is going to be out for the spring after having a surgical procedure done sometime in the past month or so. Shane Pimmer also referred to that when he was talking to the media this past Thursday. The last thing that this staff could do, and it would mean basically having to sit and wait for spring practice to completely run its course, the Gamecocks could go into the portal for another edge rusher. Now, this wouldn't be able to happen until starting on May 1st, where that second portal window opens. And the thing is, right now, there's not really any viable options left currently in the transfer portal. So overall... This staff is going to have to grin and bear whatever happens at the position in the spring. And I will say this. I think that because of the way that things have sort of played out at this spot, and due to the fact that they probably aren't going to move anybody over to that position based on Shane Bieber's recent comments, it's going to probably hurt both that position and also the offensive tackle position that's not going to be able to face a group that is at full strength. But either way, obviously, these coaches, they know what they're doing, and it's going to be interesting to see how guys like Brian Thomas Jr., how Desmond Mayo Zulu, Tyreek Johnson, how all these players 
handle the amount of reps that they get this upcoming spring. Now, of course, South Carolina, while the edge position might not have a whole lot of certainty surrounding it right now, the same doesn't have to be said regarding the interior defensive line group, the defensive tackles that is stacked with a ton of talent. We're going to dive into the storylines regarding that position group in just a couple moments right here on Locked on Gamecocks. Today's show is brought to you by FanDuel. The NBA's regular season is nearing the home stretch, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Because right now, new customers can get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. The FanDuel Sportsbook app is safe, it's secure, and it's super easy to use. You can bet on everything that you could possibly imagine, from the money line, to a specific prop bet, to a point spread, and even make your own same-game parlay if you want to go for a much bigger payout. So don't miss your chance to get your no-sweat-first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Welcome back to this Thursday edition of the Lockdown Gamecocks podcast, where we cover your South Carolina Gamecocks every single day. Thank you for making Lockdown Gamecocks your first listen every day make sure you check out our brand new podcast locked on college basketball where you'll find everything you need to know about college basketball in just one place plus you'll hear from big name experts insiders coaches and players locked on college basketball available on youtube and wherever you get your podcasts south carolina's interior defensive line is shaping up to be one of the deepest positions on the football team heading into spring practice and when breaking it down to some of the individual players, the guy to watch out for in this group isn't a likely starter or a highly touted newcomer, but a third-year backup that could get his best opportunity yet in the next few weeks to make a lot of noise. Now, for context, the guy that would have been the one to watch this spring, in my opinion, would have been Tonka Hemingway, a guy that really came on this past fall, starting nine games and recording eight tackles for loss and four sacks. And of course, also making a big impact on special teams for Pete Lembo and company. And I truthfully believe that when Tonka Hemingway is 100% healthy, he's going to slide right on into Zach Pickens' spot and make just as big of an impact on the football field in 2023. But as we talked about earlier, Taka Hemingway is out right now recovering from a surgical procedure that he went through just a few weeks ago. So, if he's not going to be there, then who are we going to need to watch? Well, the guy to watch, in my opinion, is the closest thing to Taka Hemingway. And that is TJ Sanders. Because, like Hemingway, both of these guys excelled at multiple sports back when they played high school ball both of them playing football and basketball Sanders also had a pretty solid season as a rotational defensive lineman this past fall recording 16 total tackles in just 12 games 
He has an abundance of explosiveness, power, and also a very high motor when he's out there on the football field. And the thing is, TJ Sanders, he is sure to be a starter for this defensive line, for this defensive tackle group in 2024. So this upcoming spring practice could be TJ Sanders' best chance to make that case to both the coaching staff and also the fan base when they play the spring game on April the 15th. Now, of course, there's also a couple of other storylines to watch here at the defensive tackle position. Firstly, Alex Boogie Huntley is coming off an injury-riddled season. How does he look now with some time to heal up? But at the same time, you look at the starting defensive line group, right now, Alex Boogie Huntley is the only guy that is returning really from that starting defensive line unit that was there this past fall. Because, again, George Strawn got knocked out in Week 2 against Arkansas. Zach Pickens has graduated and has officially now moved on to the NFL. And then Jordan Birch, of course, wound up transferring to Oregon. Gilbert Edmond wound up transferring to Florida State. So, Alex Boogie Huntley is essentially uh, the lone survivor out of really that original group this past fall. And he's going to have to be a leader, honestly, for this unit heading into and coming out of spring practice. It is basically his show now. So, how much is he going to do as a leader of this group? What all does he do in practice? That'll be definitely something to watch from number 95, the fourth-year defensive tackle out of the Hammond School from right here in Columbia, South Carolina. Another storyline to watch from this defensive tackle unit is the fact that two talented South Carolina natives are making their unofficial debuts for the Gamecocks at this spot. In JUCO edition, Elijah Davis and Camden High School star signee Xavier McLeod. Elijah Davis, of course, we talked about him earlier as someone that could potentially get bounced to the defensive end spot, maybe at least not in spring practice, but later on down the line if needed, because he's a guy that moves around quite well for his size, and it carries over to multiple positions. Then Xavier McLeod, we talked about this cat before. This is someone that has got unbelievable explosiveness off the last scrimmage. He can move quite well for a guy that weighs 300 plus pounds. He's also very good at diagnosing what is happening in the middle of a play, and he does a really good job of maintaining his gap integrity, or essentially making sure that he's not driven out of the gap that he is responsible for during a play when in rush defense. So, Xavier McLeod is definitely going to be someone else to pay attention to, and honestly, if this position unit just did not have as much depth as it has coming into spring practice, you might see Xavier McLeod making a really big push to be maybe in that second string unit. But again, I think that reps are going to be hard to come by for him, at least at the very beginning. And I don't think that that is all in all a bad thing because Xavier McLeod, again, is a true freshman. He's going to be going up against much more talented offensive linemen than he was at Camden High School this past fall. So it'll be interesting to see how he and Elijah Davis both adjust to this new level of football that they'll be competing at in just a few months or so. All right, now let's move on from the football field over to the hardwood. As South Carolina's men's basketball team had their season ended last night at the hands of the Ole Miss Rebels. As the Gamecocks traveled up to Nashville and were a one-and-done in the first round of the SEC tournament, losing to the Rebels by a final score 
of 67 to 61. This game is essentially a microcosm of how this entire season has unfolded, where it did not start off very pretty. South Carolina had a bunch of turnovers in just the first four to eight minutes of this contest. They could not hold on to the basketball offensively, and that was inspired by the fact that they were playing well defensively to start off this game. But as the game progressed, you know, the Gamecocks continued to fight. They were down by a few possessions at multiple points of the game, and they also went on a couple of runs. I believe they went on a 10-0 run sometime midway through the second half to actually either tie the game or retake the lead by just a couple points. But at the end of the day, there was just too many small mistakes made in the contest for them to be able to pull out the victory against the Ole Miss Rebels. Now, in terms of some of the things that actually happened in the game from a player standpoint, the Gamecocks did see Gigi Jackson score 24 points on 10 of 20 shooting from the floor. We'll address him even further in just a couple of moments. South Carolina shot as a team 28% from three-point range, while the Ole Miss Rebels, despite the fact that they've struggled in this area for the most part all season long, whatever it is about them facing South Carolina's defense, they seem to be a much better three-point shooting team when they play the Gamecocks. They shot 40.9% from behind the arc last night, something that certainly made a difference by the end of this game. The Rebels also got 10 more rebounds than the Gamecocks. Josh Gray struggled a little bit last night to maintain a presence on the glass, only grabbing six rebounds, I believe, in 17 or 18 minutes of action. And then Hayden Brown also scored 11 points in what wound up being his final game as a South Carolina Gamecock. So to quickly cover Hayden Brown, um, again, I'm going to always believe that Hayden Brown is a guy that does not get enough credit for the role that he really fulfilled for this team this year. Again, he's not going to be somebody that always is stuffing the stat sheet, you know, getting 20-plus points, maybe shooting, you know, 6 of 11 from the field, things of that nature. But Hayden Brown is somebody that really fulfilled the role of just being that guy that encapsulated everything that Lamont Paris wants the program to be. Somebody that is crafty, somebody that's got grit, somebody that's not afraid to be aggressive, and somebody, you know, can't shoot the basketball. And Hayden Brown was definitely not someone that lacked confidence in that regard. So, again, I think that that will go unnoticed by some people. I know there's a lot of Gamecock fans out there, though, that also recognize that, look, Hayden Brown played a very important role for this team in a team that is rebuilding right now, trying to build back up the stocks of roster talent that they have at this current moment. So with whatever he ends up doing in the future, we wish Hayden Brown all the best. And Hayden Brown, thanks for being a South Carolina Gamecock and for spending your final year of your college basketball career in Columbia. Now, with all that being said, the big question, of course, coming out of this game is Gigi Jackson. What does his future hold? Is he actually going to come back to South Carolina, or is he going to do what pretty much everybody thought he would do to start the season, which was go ahead and make the jump to the NBA? I will say this. In terms of my just overall opinion, because I have nothing to go off of in terms of sources here, I don't really have a solid feel of where this is going to go. Of course, at the beginning of the season, I, like pretty much everybody else, would have said that Gigi Jackson is going to go pro. But there is really a part of me now that actually believes that there is a chance. I'm not saying it's a big chance, 
but a chance that Gigi Jackson could actually come back to South Carolina. And no matter how much I try to think of, you know, the logical reasons for why he would want to leave for the NBA, I just cannot shake it. And this kind of started with Gigi Jackson. Of course, he went on his whole social media rant or tirade, whatever you want to call it, after the Arkansas loss earlier this season, where he admitted during that sort of live rant on Instagram that he was thinking about coming back for next season. And I have to say, Gigi Jackson, he could gain a lot by coming back to South Carolina for another season. I think that there's still a lot of growth that Gigi Jackson needs to create for himself in multiple aspects of his basketball career. I think that obviously from a physical standpoint, Jackson did a pretty good job this season considering the fact that, again, he should have been a senior in high school. He was a kid that looked like he lost a little bit of weight as the season progressed because of how much he was playing honestly in these games. Jackson is also somebody that obviously at times could be a bit hard-headed in terms of how he played offensively. He had his games where he really did try to make an effort to get to the rim and try to attack the basket, drawing a bunch of fouls, and really having both inside and outside success against South Carolina's respective opponent on that night. But there was also other games where Jackson basically just decided that he was going to try to put up a bunch of fancy jump shots and, you know, trusted his own ability and talent to help him make those shots fall through. And there were games where that did work out for him and other games where it did not work out for him in any way, shape, or form. And, of course, you talk about what all happened on the sideline in some games this season. You talk about what he did off the court, on social media at certain points this season. I think that it is fair to say that he also has a lot more maturing to do as a player, as somebody who is going to be a part of a team for his entire basketball career and eventually is going to go on to the NBA where teams are not going to put up with that kind of stuff. They don't have the time to deal with that because they're trying to win games. They're trying to win games right now. So, in terms of all of that, of course, if Gigi Jackson were to come back to South Carolina, he would sacrifice potentially Larry Pick money if he were to go for the NBA draft at this current moment. Now, again, Jackson could go ahead and go through some of the testing at, I guess, the NBA drafts version of a combine and get some feedback from scouts on sort of where they would slot him at this current moment. And he could do all this without signing an agent because once he signs an agent, then that pretty much means that Jackson is heading on to the pros. So it'll be interesting to see if he makes his decision quickly. If he does, then obviously it probably means that he's going on to the NBA. If he doesn't, however, then that means that there's truly a chance that Jackson could possibly come back to Columbia. And again, you got to remember, NIL could play a big role in this as well. NIL has changed the game for collegiate athletics. And that will be none the more evident than with the sport of basketball. Women's basketball and men's basketball. People can make a lot of money now coming back to college and feel like they don't have to bounce straight to the NBA. They can take more time to develop and hone in their own craft at the college level. 
Does Gigi Jackson feel that way? Does he want to come back? This is a team that's going to return a bunch of players from this year's squad. And a team that, in my opinion, is going to be much approved this next season with guys like Michi Johnson, Jacoby Wright, Josh Gray, Chico Carter Jr. coming back from injury more than likely. A bunch of guys that played a big role in this team coming back to, again, develop more under Lamont Paris and the staff. Does DJ Jackson feel like that it would behoove him to come back to Columbia for another season and take more time under Lamont Paris and his assistant coaches? It'll be interesting to see how this whole ordeal plays out because, again, likely, you know, no one really knows when that decision is going to come down. If it comes down quickly, it probably means that he's on to the NBA. If it doesn't, there could be very well a solid possibility that Gigi Jackson comes back to South Carolina. With that being said, y'all, that's going to do it for today's show of the Lockdown Gamecocks podcast. I hope y'all thoroughly enjoyed today's show, as always. What are your thoughts on Shea Bieber and the staff's likely plan with the edge position on the defensive line heading into spring practice? What are your thoughts on the talent in the defensive tackle room? And lastly, what do you think Gigi Jackson is going to end up doing at the end of the day? Let me know all of your thoughts, as always, down below in the comments section. If you watch today's show on YouTube or if you listen to today's show on an audio podcast app, you can shoot me a direct message on Twitter at A-Line underscore SC, and I'll try to respond to it as quickly as I see it. And once again, don't forget to make Lockdown College Basketball your second listen or watch now that you have watched or listened to the Lockdown Gamecocks podcast. But again, y'all, that does it for me on today's show. Have a great rest of your Thursday, and I will catch y'all on the next show of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast.